Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Open up your words, if you would, to the book of Philemon. Let me tell you how to get there, because this might only be one page, okay? It's rather short. It's just one chapter. If you were to turn to the New Testament, and you're looking at the New Testament, and you happen to see the book of Hebrews, you've gone too far. Go back a little bit. If you happen to get like to Timothy and Thessalonians, you know, Thessalonians you, 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 it's, it's right in between there, okay? Timothy, Thessalonians, it'll be Titus. Then the little book of Philemon. It wasn't really a book. It wasn't written as a book. It was written as a letter. It was written as a personal letter inspired by the Holy Spirit. God wanted to give us a glimpse into perhaps how we influence friends, how we influence circumstances and situations. And so the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to take an occasion and write a personal, familiar letter. He doesn't call himself the Apostle Paul, okay? It is a familiar letter to a friend named Philemon. And this whole letter is simply encouraging Philemon to do the right thing. <laughs> That's the name and the title of our message today. The right thing. Wow. That can be very foreign in our society in 2018 in the world and all of the different uh, you know, cultures and, and social etiquettes. The right thing. What? I mean, well, we'll get to that in just a moment. But suffice it to say that the Apostle Paul did not sit down to write a book of the Old Testament, excuse me, the New Testament. It would have been the Old Testament then. The New Testament didn't exist. He didn't sit down and think to himself, I'm going to write a book that one day all the Christians are going to read. He didn't. The Holy Spirit came upon his heart and he had a certain occasion to write to his friend and to encourage his friend who lived quite a ways from where the Apostle Paul was imprisoned. We're going to look at one verse in Philemon. There's only one chapter. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. In verse 8, the Apostle Paul says to his friend Philemon, I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. Wow, I kind of like that. I'm going to boldly ask you a favor. Now, I could demand it in the name of Christ, but I'd rather just ask you. Later on, he would say that I don't want to force you to do what's right. I want you to want to do what's right. Absolutes. Right and wrong. You know, contrary to what many people may imagine, there are some absolutes. We talked about it briefly last week when the prophet Isaiah 
out of Isaiah the fifth chapter in verse 20 had talked about people who did not know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, sweet and bitter, life and death. He said, woe to those who, who say sweet is bitter and bitter is sweet or light is dark and dark is lightness. He was saying what a tragedy it is whenever everything looks the same. What a difficult time it presents to us. But I'm here to tell you that there is a right and there is a wrong. Thank you. <laughs> there is a light, there is a darkness, there is a sweet, there is a bitter, there is a good and there is an evil. There is life and there is death for every person. It would be a terrible thing to realize that you could not or that you did not know the difference between light and darkness, between good and evil, between life and death between right and wrong. It would be horrible to wake up one day and realize that you had lived your life and did not understand that there was a difference between right and wrong. And when you stepped, you did not know, you were not aware, you had no re realization as to whether you were stepping into darkness or into light or, or into good or into evil or, or into, in, into sweet or into bitter that you just didn't know. To be unable to discern the next best step. Or to imagine that you were reaching for something that was good only to find out after you got a hold of it that, 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 it, that it was dark, it was bad, it was deadly, it was wrong. Many have chosen to step into something that they thought was good for the moment only to realize later that it was far less valuable than what they stepped out of. When I think of all the bad decisions made by people in the Bible, I can easily see why God chose to record all of these bad decisions. You see, God wanted us to realize that there is life after bad decisions. God wants us to realize that there is a course of restoration, a course of recovery, a course of remedy for those who fall from grace, for those who find themselves in darkness, and even those who knowingly step out of the light on their own accord. The New Testament epistle that we're looking at this morning, the one page of Philemon, this epistle, this letter was written to Paul's friend. And Paul is focusing all of his attention on Philemon. He's trying to get Philemon just to simply do the right thing. You see, Philemon lived in Colossae. I've been to Colossae many times. There's no city there. There's no town there. It's in the country of Turkey. Colossae right now is just a hill. It's just an abandoned hill. Oh, there are some big stones up there. There are some places, it looks like once maybe there were some columns, but there's nothing but dirt on this big hill. Nothing around it. I mean, you would drive by it. I've driven by it and didn't know it was there. Only later to search it out and to find that that was the old city of Colossae. 
The only thing there is the little gate shack. It's probably four foot by four foot, maybe, maybe five foot by four foot. It's just a square little concrete gate shack where there's one guy that stays there. I think he stays there 24 hours a day. I, he's been there every time I've ever gone, and he's just standing there. There's nothing to guard. There's nothing to look. I mean, there, there's nothing there. Nobody would want anything there. It is out in the middle of nowhere. Tina, you've been there. It is just, I mean, we took him grapes. Do you remember? You got out and tried to give him grapes when we were leaving. We felt so sorry for him. I feel sorry for him every time I go there. He's got a mattress leaned up outside during the daytime. I don't know how he puts it inside. Sue, that mattress wouldn't fit inside. Do you remember? crazy. Philemon was from the city of Colossae. It was a grand city. It's about 120 miles due east of Ephesus. The apostle Paul evangelized that area and the apostle Paul had led Philemon to the Lord. Now we don't know much about Philemon because the only thing we have about him is contained in just this one brief letter of the Apostle Paul encouraging Philemon to do the right thing. We imagine that Philemon might have been a wealthy man because he had servants. Servants who were, the Greek word doulos, doulos, doulos. It can be a servant or a slave, someone who is indentured themselves because they needed money, and so they, they, they went and made a slave of themselves or someone who was born into servanthood. We know he had a servant because this servant named Onesimus, he ran away. We don't know why he ran away, and some people believe that he might have even taken something, or stole something, or did some wrong to Philemon. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But just the fact of running away cast shadows of doubt on Philemon, on his master, that his master wasn't a good master, or that he wasn't content and wasn't happy. And Philemon happened to be a very good example of a Christian man in that community and in that region. We know that because Paul said he was. Onesimus had run away from his slavery from his servanthood maybe he just didn't like being a servant maybe he didn't like being a slave maybe he was born into it maybe he sold himself into it we don't know but one day Onesimus runs away from Philemon and he doesn't just run a little ways he goes all the way across what is now the middle of Turkey and and goes along and and finds a ship somewhere and he sails across maybe to Greece I don't know and then ends up he ends up in Rome Rome is a long way away from home. And through some course, for some reason, and we do not know why, Onesimus finds out that the Apostle Paul is in prison in Rome. And so in Onesimus seeks out to find the Apostle Paul. Paul, the Bible says, is in his own house. He's able to receive visitors. He's not free to go about, but he's able to receive visitors. And so Onesimus comes and finds Paul, and in the process, Paul leads Onesimus to salvation in Jesus Christ. 
Onesimus gets born again. And the apostle Paul begins to disciple Onesimus. Well, we don't know exactly why or how, but at some point, Onesimus desires to go home. He wants to go home. He sees that he has made a bad decision. He, see that he, he sees that he didn't do the right thing. And all of a sudden now, Onesimus wants to do the right thing that is on his heart. The apostle Paul, there's no indication that he told him, you need to go home. You need to do the, no, no, nothing like that. But there's every indication that this is something that Onesimus desires to do. But Onesimus is afraid. He wants to go home, but he's afraid. Because when he gets back to Colossae, or maybe even close, maybe somewhere between Ephesus and Colossae, he'll enter into the region called Phrygia. And that was a very tough region legally. We understand from history that these people, they were kind of punishment-oriented. And at that time, a master, someone who had a servant or a slave, and that servant or slave did them wrong, at that time, the master had complete authority to do whatever he wanted to them. And so Onesimus was afraid. Maybe he was afraid that, that, that he wouldn't get all the way home before he got arrested and beaten, or tortured, or, you know, executed. Maybe he, he would get there and, and, and no one would believe that he had changed. Uh, you know, have you ever changed and you were afraid no one would believe that you changed? And so the Apostle Paul, hearing the desire of Onesimus to return home, but understanding that he is afraid, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, takes this occasion to take a pen in his own hand. And he begins to write this letter to his friend Philemon. Wow. Wow. It seems the Bible is filled with accounts of people like Onesimus who did something that they thought was good for them in a moment, but later on realized that, that, that they had put their hand to an unfruitful vine, that they had done something wrong instead of something right, that they had made it worse, not better. We don't know exactly what Onesimus did. And we don't understand exactly what drove him to the Apostle Paul. But we can well imagine that Onesimus, when he got to Rome, realized that life was not all he had hoped it would be. Perhaps he missed his family. Maybe he missed his friends. Maybe, you know, he, he missed his home. Whatever. Something happened in his life and he needed help. And so he sought out help. What can I do? And the Apostle Paul leads them to Christ. Just like the Apostle Paul had earlier led Philemon to salvation through Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul, in writing this letter, presumes upon that relationship. And he says to Philemon, I don't want to force you to do the right thing. I want you to do it because you want to. But let me remind you that you owe me your very soul. 
And I'm only asking you to do what is right. I want you to receive Onesimus as a brother. I know that he has been unprofitable to you, but I want you to look at him with a new heart and with new eyes. He is a brother in Christ and he is profitable to you and he will be profitable to me. I'm going to be released from this prison and I'm going to come and visit you. I've got more work to do and he's able to help me in this work. Some people make bad decisions. Wrong decisions, costly mistakes. But I'm so thankful that God never abandons us because we are wrong. Amen? God never abandons us because we are wrong. Woo, if he did, I would be abandoned uh, quite often. We don't have to get stuck in our last worst decision. There is a scripture in the Bible that sums this up in what I believe God is wanting to say. And by the way, God has been on this same theme for weeks now. I just keep trying to find new ways to say it. Do the right thing, you know. Last week it was separating light from darkness. Over and over. Do you know that in the last days, the Bible says that it will be like the days of Noah. Now in the days of Noah, things were pretty good. It wasn't a bad time. It wasn't a hard time. In the days of Noah, things were going great. That was one of the problems. Is that wickedness was prospering. The Bible says people were marrying and giving in marriage. You know, they were expecting a great future. They had a lot of hope. Everything was looking good. Everything was sunshiny. And for 120 years, Noah preached only one message. It's the only message he had. He preached a message, get right with God. That was his only message, get right. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. That means his message was get right with God, get right with God. It was the only message John the Baptist had, get right with God, get right with God. That's the only message I have, get right with God, get right with God. Every week for 30 years I've been getting up here and preaching something that ends up saying get right with God. These notes are published on our website, ezsermons.com. Do you know that last night... I got to look at some statistics. 4,855 people went to find sermon material there this month. From Russia, from the African continent, there's even 114 from Switzerland. I didn't know there were 114 churches in Switzerland. 170, I think, or 150 in uh, Austria. It's just amazing. 4,855, basically 5,000 per month. Do you know what they're finding whenever they get there and, and look at what I'm preaching today? Get right with God. They're going to say, that guy doesn't have any. That's why they keep coming back. I'm looking for something new. 
There's nothing new under the sun. Do the right thing. There's a story in the Bible that sums this up. It's the story we find in Luke chapter 15. It's a story of what we call the prodigal son. The prodigal son is a story about two brothers who petitioned their father. Actually, the younger one petitions the father and says, give me my inheritance, give me my inheritance. The older one is content to stay there on the farm and to, and, 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 and to help out. But the younger one says, I want my money, I want my money, I want my money, I want my money. And so the father finally acquiesces and, 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 and he gives the younger son his inheritance. The younger son begins to spend it just like it's, you know, nothing. And, 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 and he ends up traveling and he goes to a foreign country and, and, and he spends. And the Bible says he lives riotously. You know, he's just partying, 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 spending all of his money. And when all of his money is gone, all his friends are gone. And the Bible says he looks around, he's in a foreign country. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have any food. He doesn't have anything he can do. And so he hires himself out. He enslaves himself to a man. And the man sends him out into the wilderness to feed the man's pigs. The man, the Bible says, does not give him any food. Nobody gives him anything. And so one day, this younger son of this rich man looks at what he's feeding the pigs. And when he looks and sees what he's feeding the pigs, he says, you know, that looks pretty good. I think I will eat some of that pig food. I think I'll have me some slop. Verse 17 of Luke 15. But when he came to himself, that was a good time to come to yourself, by the way. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Whoa. Boy, now there's a picture. The prodigal son, what did he do? He came to himself. <laughs> Number one, he came to himself. I like what Luke 15, 17, the first part of that says in the New Living Translation. It says this, when he finally came to his senses. <laughs> Whew. When you finally come to your senses and realize that the decision you made that you thought was going to be the end-all, be-all, ends up it is, but it went the wrong direction instead of the right direction. When he finally came to his senses, number two, he said to himself, Self, you got a problem. Self, you caused a problem. Self, you are a problem. I can't be listening to that voice no more. And number three, he followed his own counsel. Do you know most of us would be okay if we just follow our own advice? Hello? I mean, what would you tell you in your situation? <laughs> Notice as well that not only did the son... Who was wrong, turn and do the right thing. 
But the father who was wronged also did the right thing. The father had been done wrong, but instead of protecting himself, instead of nursing his wounds, instead of just saying, I'm hurt, instead of just saying, I told you so, you know, he didn't. He did the right thing. You see, there's always a right thing to do in every situation for every individual. Even after you've been done wrong. The older brother in this Luke 15 account of the prodigal son didn't do the right thing. He decided to stick with his attitude. He decided to not do the right thing, but to, to do what made him feel good, what, 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 what he felt justified in doing. But the father did the right thing, and the, this younger son did the right thing. You see, there is a right, and there is a wrong. This is what must have happened to Onesimus. Let me imagine for just a moment with you that Onesimus, tired of being told what to do, tired of being indentured as a servant and a slave, even to a nice man, even to a good Christian, just couldn't take it anymore. And he just ran away. Maybe he had to take something with him. Maybe he had to take something from his master in order to make the trip all the way to Rome. Perhaps having gotten to Rome, he, he looks around and realized what, what the prodigal son realized, that nobody cares about me here. Nobody's going to give me anything. Maybe he was hungry. Maybe he was starving. Maybe the only help that he knew that was close was that he heard about this apostle Paul that he had seen, that had led his master to the Lord, that had changed the heart of his master. Maybe he knew that this apostle Paul was a man that would, that, that would help, that would listen. We don't know. But for some reason, he went to the apostle Paul. I think that Onesimus must have come to himself. He must have come to his good senses. He must have done what the prodigal son did. He must have finally came to his senses and he realized that he had lost more than he had gained. And then he must have said to himself, Something is wrong with what I did. Something is wrong with me, perhaps. Something is wrong, and I don't want to continue in this cycle of, of failure and making bad decisions one after the other. Something is wrong, and I want to make it right. I want to change. And then he must have followed his own counsel because when he sought out the apostle Paul and Paul told him out about Jesus, he gave his life to Jesus. And then in the process, somehow this desire to return overwhelmed him. And again, he sought Paul's help. And Paul wrote this letter. Now we can't know for certain but some early church writers say that there was a man named Onesimus who was one of the early bishops 
of the region of Fergia. Some write and, and say that when Onesimus returned to Philemon with this letter, that Philemon set him free. He was emancipated and became a leader in the church, profitable unto to, to Philemon and also in, in restoring Philemon's image to a community, having someone return to you and trust you, and as well profitable to the apostle Paul, who perhaps later got out of prison, went to that region as he had told Philemon, get a room ready for me, I'm coming to see you, and perhaps went about establishing and strengthening the churches and maybe even used Onesimus as one of the church leaders. We can't know. But it sure sounds like something God would do because somebody would trust him and do the right thing. Without regard as to what happened to Onesimus, he did the right thing. And so did Philemon, I'm sure. This was Paul's only desire. You see, there is a right and there is a wrong for everyone involved in every situation of life. We cannot expect anyone else to do what is right when we want. And this morning, in your life situation, wherever you may find yourself, whether you have made a bad decision or a wrong decision or a costly mistake, or if you have been done wrong by someone else, without regard as to who, what, where, when, why, I am boldly asking you a favor. I could demand it in the name of Jesus because it is the right thing for you to do. I am boldly Asking a favor of you. Do the right thing. I could demand it. If you find that you've made a bad decision, if you find that you've made a wrong decision, if you find that you have made a costly mistake, if you find that you have been done wrong, if you find that someone else has taken advantage of you, don't forget the remedy. Believe me now, no matter how bad it is, you can make it worse. So what can you do to make it better? I'm going to ask you today that without regard as to your situation, whether you did wrong or were done wrong, I'm going to ask you, number one, to come to your senses. And to realize making it worse will never make it better. Come to your senses. It's not going to get better on its own and nothing changes until something changes. You can gain victory in the situation before you see victory over the situation. Maybe you were done wrong or maybe you did someone else wrong. Either way, you cannot turn back the clock but you can do the right thing today.
Number one, come to your senses. Number two, speak to yourself. Speak to yourself. You are the one person you will believe. You are the one person that has more power, more influence, more authority over your life than anyone else. Speak to yourself. Make a decision and say to yourself, I have decided. As for me, Joshua said, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He said, you can serve anyone you want. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You are responsible for you. Come to your senses. Speak to yourself. Go to the Word of God if you're not sure what is right. Do what Onesimus did. Seek out godly counsel. Go to someone who will give you the Word, who will help you. There is no indication that the Apostle Paul made Onesimus go back. This is not a message saying that, that, that God or that Paul was in favor of slaves returning to their masters or, or wives returning to abusive husbands or people staying at jobs where they are being taken advantage of or ill-treated. There is no indication here that God has this blanket that he throws over to say this is right. Let me tell you, if you're being abused, speak up, get out, get safe, and then ask God what to do. What do I do, God, about my situation? It fell upon the heart of Onesimus to return home. Why? Because he came to his senses. Why? Because he spoke to himself. Just like that little woman and in Mark, the fifth chapter, who had the issue of blood. When, when she heard of Jesus, she said to herself, she coached herself. She had to encourage herself. It was wrong for her to come into public. It was wrong for her to press into the crowd. It was against the law, but she spoke to herself. And said, I must. Onesimus said, I must. The prodigal son said, I must. He came to his senses and he said to himself, I'm going home. If you've been away from God, come to your senses and say to yourself, I'm going home. If you've been away from church, Come to your senses and say to yourself, I'm going home. Obstacles will be plenty. If you've been living a riotous life, come to your senses and say to yourself, I'm going home. You will always find God doing the right thing. Coach yourself. Get godly counsel. Encourage yourself. Number one, come to your senses. Number two, speak to yourself. And number three, do the right thing. There's always a right thing. Don't be afraid to face the facts. Don't be afraid to take that first step. Follow through. 
You see, God will never abandon his children because they're wrong. He will be with you every step of the way. He will help you every step of the way. God knows where you are. God knows what you have done or what has been done to you. And God knows the right thing for you to do right now. Let me ask you what the Apostle Paul must have asked Philemon. And he must have asked Onesimus. Let me ask you, have you been born again have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior one day nothing else will matter between now and then the decisions you make to step into light or out of light into good or into evil into sweet or into bitter, those will be your choices. But one day it will no longer be your choice. Have you been born again? Are you sure? This world will feed you a lot of slop and they will swear it's good for you. But it's not. It's not. Not only is it not good for you, it's not good for your family. It's not good for your friends. It's not good for your community. It's not good for the kingdom of your Savior. Would you turn? Would you give your life this morning to Him? You can give Him your problems even if you cause them. He won't abandon you. You see, there is a right thing to do this morning.